Welcome to Kiever's Place, the Kiever Murdoch Show and Podcast. We hope that by the end of our show, you'll have feeling empowered, motivated, and connected. So come on in the room, grab your favorite drink, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Because you're finally at home at Kiever's Place. Now give it up for our host and producer, Coach Kiever Lernice Murdoch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another amazing episode of Kiva's Place, the Kiva Murdoch Show and Podcast, where we have authentic conversations and a place that feels like home. So welcome, welcome, welcome again. I'm super excited to have you join us tonight as we kick off our finale to the Imperfectly Fierce and Focused series. I'm so excited. Listen, if you have not been joining us for this Imperfectly Fierce and Focused finale, you have missed a wonderful treat. We've had several guests from all walks of life with so many different experiences, and they have shared how they have endured, how they have persevered, how they have triumphed, how they have made it through some tough situations. They have dropped advice. They have dropped gems. And if you watched it, I know that you have thoroughly enjoyed our guests. And tonight is no different. So again, this is our finale show, ending out this particular part of our series, and it precedes our book pre-launch that will start next Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is our official book pre-launch. Yes, I'm so excited. So definitely come right back because starting next week, you will begin to meet the authors of Imperfectly Fierce and Focus, and you will learn how they live in Perfectly Fierce and Focus and how they've been able to persevere through some traumatic experiences, rather that's in personal or business. So definitely come back next Thursday night. But let me tell you about my finale guest tonight, okay? She is another sister queen. I love her to life. She is Miss, let me get to her bio. Um, she is Miss Brittany K. And she's proudly representing her hometown as the former Ms. Simpsonville Plus America 2023. And she is the current reigning Ms. Palmetto Pride Plus America 2023. Brittany has a platform of sexual assault awareness, and she can provide a unique insight and advocacy and the journey to healing and thriving. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Emergency Management and Disaster Response, and she is currently pursuing a Master's of Business Administration. In addition to her degree, she is also an amateur historian. She's a pilot. She's a model. She's also a published author. When Brittany isn't volunteering or participating in pageant duties, you can find her traveling, trying new things at a concert, reading, or enjoying her fur babies. So help me introduce and welcome to Kiva's Place, Miss Brittany K. So welcome, sis. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. It's such an honor to have you in our studio tonight. So thank you so much for joining us and jumping on the bandwagon of being <laughs> perfectly fierce and focused. I love it. No problem. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> 
So wonderful. So listen, we have a lot to cover. You are a very well accomplished young woman. And just reading your bio, I've learned so much about you. So I'm really looking forward to just interviewing and speaking with you tonight. So just share a little bit more about your um just a, a little bit more of your background, maybe something I hadn't mentioned before we dive into what I had mentioned. It's actually really funny that you mentioned resilience and overcoming trauma. Um, I was actually never supposed to be born. Um, my mom has cerebral palsy and the doctors urged her to have an abortion. She said no. And about a week before her C-section, she actually fell and our blood mix, and that could have killed me and her. And instead, you know, I was born healthily. And then, you know, other things happened. Like I tried to electrocute myself and, you know, got into trouble as a, as a kid. And, and you know, I, I always loved reading about disasters. And since I was so accident prone, eventually I started getting into first aid, um, disaster response, that sort of thing. I did um, a stint at 911 for EMS fire. I eventually left that just because it was, it's hard hearing that on the phone and knowing that you can't really help because you're not physically there. So when I was able to finally go back to school for the second time after you know the incident that we'll discuss, um, I pursued my bachelor's in disaster response and emergency management, um, graduated with a 4.0, summa cum laude, uh, while working. So I, I was super proud because when I left Clemson, you know, I was on academic probation with everything that had happened. So, you know, it was very, a very big triumph moment for me. And then of course the pandemic hit right as I graduated, literally like I graduated that December and January, they, you know, were calling for shutdowns. So <laughs> timing was a little bit off, but yeah, I've, I've gotten to where I am just based on life experience, based on, you know, being in traumatic situations and then learning resilience, what it means to be either through, you know, as, as a kid, like you, you study history, you study disasters, you study science, all these curiosities. And then as you get older, you see how it impacts people. So it gave me really a drive to want to help others in any way that I could. So. You know what? I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, some of us, unfortunately, have to fight their entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. When they when they're born into the world, they're born in some situation that just forces them to be able to be a little bit stronger than others. And it sounds what I'm hearing you say is you've had to triumph through a lot of situations, even before you were being born, before yeah. birth, right? And I just feel like when you um, are faced with certain situations, it just equips you to, I mean, to really be able to just handle just about anything that comes our way. And I just wanted to point that out because I feel like some people, as they're going through certain situations, they see that as a weakness instead of finding out how can I draw strength and persevere through that particular experience. Exactly. And that's something, um, you know, I, I, I say I'm a survivor of sexual assault and it was like an attempted murder. It was a very traumatic situation um, it, because, 
you know, of course, you know, sexual assault is traumatic, but then the system utterly failed me in every way it could. And, you know, for a long time, I, I didn't have that resilience when it came to that situation. I struggled. And what I tell people I meet when I tell people, you know, I'm an advocacy, when I've done advocacy, I say, you know, you're going to have a bad day. It's okay to have a bad day, but you can't stay there. You have to keep moving forward. It's hard, but eventually, you know, things will change. Um, things won't stay the same always. And, you know, I, I have definitely had bad days where I've just sat there and just cried or, you know, was like, God, why, why just, why didn't you just let me die? You know, that, that kind of stuff. But it's part of the healing process too, because in those situations, and, and it doesn't matter if it's sexual assault, it doesn't matter if it's domestic violence, it doesn't matter if it's been a tornado or a theft or, or any other kind of disaster, you have the same kind of reactions. You, you're going to have anger. You're going to have depression. You're going to have anxiety about stuff. And that's something that I think is uniquely human. And when we talk about like when we went through our pageant questions and that sort of you know thing, you know, people ask, well, you know, what are basic human rights? What are, you know, what's resiliency in humanity? What was this? And you have to look at so many different situations and say, we all have the right to feel safe and to be prepared and to have response and whatever that may be, and to be able to heal physically and emotionally and, you know, just mentally. So I do think, you know, going from one <laughs> bad thing to another, especially at a young age, helped. But also my parents, I'm an only child. Like I said, my mom had cerebral palsy. Um, she had, she was diagnosed with lupus when I was a teenager. And she really, like her body just started breaking down. And dad never complained about it. Went to work, took care of her. I helped take care of her. Um, at Clemson, dad got cancer the first time around. He didn't complain. He just did what he could. He was just, he was very much a man of faith. He's very much, you know, I'm going to beat this. God's got it. Um, so just watching them as examples, even, you know, because you don't always get along with your parents, but just having that example of them being resilient and them saying, oh, well, yeah, technically my mom's disabled, but she fought to learn to drive and she fought to learn all this stuff. And that kind of instilled and me, the will to fight for the things that I want and to fight for others, especially when I see injustice. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So, Brittany, I want you to back up a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Share with our viewers just a little bit of your experience at Clemson and just share whatever you feel comfortable. I just want people to really understand um when we say you are a woman that is imperfectly fierce and focused, I want them to really have a good understanding of just a little bit of what you have endured. So when I first went to Clemson, um, I went on a computer science major and decided, no, it wasn't quite for me, changed to history and was working 40 hours at the time while doing this because dad was sick. So I was trying to help out there, you know, commuting from Greenville to Clemson, which is about a 45 minute drive. Um, finally got to a point to where I could quit my job 
But by this point, I had massive anxiety and it was kind of undiagnosed. Like I, I didn't realize what was going on because, you know, dad had stage four cancer. I'm working like nights and trying to get a class during the day. We're talking about like 14 to 16 credit hours. It, it was a lot. Um, and in my downtime, I joined the flying club because that's something I'd always wanted to experience. And they elected me president of the flying club. And I was one of the first female presidents, one of the only female officers. Um, Becky, who had become a great friend to me, was also an officer. But I was so painfully shy. Like, they had to force me to get up to talk to people. Like, I was good behind the scenes, but I'm like, I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. So I, I had to learn to start proving my ground because as one of two females in this club, like, and most of these guys were you know, military bound because they were in ROTC, you know, they joked with you a lot. They kind of, you know, I'm short. They had to buy me a ladder for the plane. I didn't live that down. Um, just funny things like that. So it, it started bringing me out of my shell. And in late 2007, a friend of mine introduced me to this guy. She's like, he's, he's awesome. Um, you know, you should really give him a try. Cause I had gone through a breakup and I was like, okay. Um, Dated a little bit, and I didn't notice what he was doing was and kind of ingratiating himself into my classes Um, because he was a transfer student. I was just thinking, oh, he just doesn't know anybody else. And in June of 2008, he decided, he's like, let's just, um, I want to cook you dinner. Have a nice date. Okay. Um, He cooked me dinner. And afterwards, I, when things got heavy, I said, you know, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to sleep with you right now and he just kept going and he raped me so horribly that the inside of my vaginal canal was almost destroyed mm. um he was like a rugby type player so he he was a big muscular guy i could not it it's one of those people who are like oh well you tried to fight well there comes a point when all you have to do is freeze and let it happen because in certain situations and this is what i tell people who like will say, well, I feel guilty because I didn't fight. And it's saying, well, maybe if you had fought, you would have died instantly. You, you never know in those situations. So I happened to have my phone and I noticed I was bleeding and, you know, I was really inexperienced. So I called my best friend and she's just like, it happens. Go back to sleep. And he's like, who did you call? I said, I told him who I called. And he got like so upset because he was just going to leave me there to bleed out. And I got hold of the phone, called 911. He grabbed it from me. It was a hang up call. 911 called back. So he had to answer. He's like, oh, everything's fine. Well, they sent the police anyway. So at this point, I like, like I said, I'm bleeding badly. Like I am in the bathtub, like passing out. And the police come and EMS comes. The police officer knew the guy and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm friends with his brother. You know, we were in ROTC together. And he's like, yeah, dude. He's like, yeah, just having some kinky stuff. Right. Meanwhile, I'm still, you know, EMTs are fist bumping each other. They're screaming at me to get up. I am like covered in blood. The bathtub is covered in blood. And I'm telling them I can't stand because every time I start to stand, I start to black out. And they're grumbling because I was about 75, 200 pounds lighter than I am now that they were going to have to pick this fat girl up. So they picked me up. They put me on the backboard. And instead of wanting to carry me down the stairs, they just took and just slid me like that. And I hit the wall. 
And then they did it again outside. So they take me to the hospital. They tell this guy where I'm going. Get to the hospital. They've at least given me fluids. The one guy in the back has kind of apologized for the treatment. He was a rookie. And they have what they do in situations like this with trauma to stop bleeding is like if it's internal and they can, they, you know, they can't do a tourniquet there, but they stuff like cotton and everything. So, you know, I wait in the ER because they're like, oh, well, obviously she's not bleed that bad. They let him in there with me. They don't ask me. Was I assaulted? They don't ask anything. You have me hooked up to a heart monitor. He will not leave because he knows what I'm going to say. So they tell me, okay, get up and go pee in a cup. And I'm trying to tell them like how I was brought in. Like, I don't think I'm, this is going to happen. And I end up passing out in the bathroom and bleeding out. Um, and luckily I crawled through there and someone heard me scream and they came in got me up on the stretcher, you know, cause now all the cotton's out and this nurse comes in and I will never forget it. She said, Oh God, who's going to clean up this mess? And there's blood everywhere. And they're like, you can't say that. It's a patient. She goes, she's going to die anyway. This is why fat people shouldn't have sex. And I'm like, she's like, oh, she's going to die. She's gray. Like they had, they had to invert me to get blood to my head. I had lost over half my blood. Mm. And it was devastating because like, she's bad mouthing me. Like, why would you want to sleep with something so ugly? And it turns out like, she, I found out later because he told me that he had been flirting with that same nurse. And I'm like, are you serious? So they take me to the women's hospital. My dad sees me. What had happened, my mom had this bad feeling, sent um, him up to Clemson because I wasn't answering my phone. So basically a murder scene. They found out what hospital I was at. Dad was there and dad told me later that he's like, you were gray. It looked like I was staring into a coffin at a dead body. He said, you had no color to your lips at all. Um, you, you wouldn't be on purple. He's like, they were telling me that it was going to take a miracle if you survived. Um, the doctor, I kept telling him, like, there's no, no way I'm pregnant. He forced a DNC on me, which caused its own issues. Um, and the entire time they kept this guy in the room and they would say, oh, look, it's cute. She loves him so much. Look at the heart monitor. It jumps every time he walks in. Two days later, I wake up. I've been given blood like the entire time. One CNA went to clean me up and she said, did he do this to you? That was the only compassionate person the entire time. Um, like my mom was like, I told you not to date him. He's bad news. And, you know, and, and you see that like, cause they don't mean to be victim blaming, but yeah, but he had gaslit me so much after that. I thought, well, maybe it was just a horrible accident. Cause it's not just you're thinking that happened. It's like, well, why wouldn't they even ask me if, you know, if it had happened, if it didn't happen like they thought. So that lasted about two weeks. And when I say that was traumatic, he would like force pregnancy tests on me. He would threaten me if I'd become pregnant. Um, he started showing his true colors, mentioned stuff like animal torture, um, really racist and um, just horrible beliefs, just very violent. He hit me a few times and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I was like, nope. And I walked out. 
Um, I was like, don't come back. You come back. Like, I'm calling cops. Um, the next day, turns out he was dating another girl at the same time because he had transferred schools that fall. And I got so upset because here I am trying to go back to school. I'm so anemic. They have me in blankets outside in the 100 degree heat. I cannot walk across campus for Clemson. I was a week away from taking my check ride. Um, had to give that up. Couldn't like I'm, I still hold a student pilot's license. And he got to go to a different college, graduate, get married, have a family. And here I was like suffering. You know, I had PTSD. Um, I had to drop out of school. The recession happened. You know, health wise, I was not doing well at all. Um, my friends, I lost a lot of them because they're like, you're just no fun to be around. It was, you know, and of course, you're grieving kind of your former life. So you're not like happy all the time. So extended family would say stuff like, you know, she's such a witch now. She's this, that, you know, it was just a lot. Um, and so I, it, it took a while, you know, I had a couple of good friends and started to recover. And one thing that got me into advocacy is I went to a church. Um, they believed in small groups and one of the pet projects they were going to do was through the Julie Valentine Center, which is in Greenville. And they handle um, human trafficking and, you know, rape crisis and, you know, for adults and children. And they were offering to train. And so I'm like, well, if nothing else, it'll be healing experience. And I was the only one that made it through that program mm -hmm. out of all the girls that went. And I found that like, because the system had failed me so much and I'm learning like, Oh, that's not supposed to happen. Oh, that's not supposed what, you know, it made me mad. And I wanted to be the change. I wanted to start being an advocate for someone else to say, Hey, you know, this happened to me. It doesn't have to happen to you. I can, you know, break the cycle of what's going to happen. Like what's done is done with me. But then at the same time, while I'm going through this, um, I have a very not great relationship with church. Like I'm a Christian, but a lot of churches I went to at the time, the first thing out of the pastor's mouth, when you share this testimony, what were you wearing? Mm. And I was told even then, you know, you're making people uncomfortable by talking about it. You are making people uncomfortable because you're not dressing feminine enough for us. You Im invited the temptation in. Um, you should be ashamed to talk about it. I had family members when I was vocal say, don't you have any shame? Like, this is not something you speak about. And I finally said, well, why? They're like, because it's horrible. You did something to provoke it. And I sat there and I'm like, no, no, no. See, if someone broke in your house, did you provoke that? Mm -hmm. Well, no. I said, well, you know, in the era of the serial killers in the 80s and 70s, there were a couple that actually answered this, but I believe um, Richard Ramirez was one. And when he asked, was asked, why did you kill people so gruesomely? He said, because they left the door unlocked. It was their invitation for me to come in. They wanted it. Mm. And I'm like, now, if that was your family member, what would you think? And people would say that that guy's nuts. Who, like, that doesn't mean you want to be killed. I said, now, think about someone raping you. I said, did you want it? 
No, I said, but someone else decided to be powerful from their own thing and take what they wanted, right? I said, it's a crime. Just mm-hmm. like, just like a break-in, just like murder, just like any of this, it is a crime that is afflicted upon you and you should not have shame. And so that was a big thing for me is like letting people know you don't need to be ashamed. One in six women have experienced sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, it is common, more common for it to be somebody that you know than it is for it to be a stranger. Yes, right. I believe I believe it was one in 30 something men. One in so, 20. Mm-hmm. One in 20. So that, that's changed mm-hmm. since I last looked. And it's, mm-hmm. it is a chronic issue. And especially when you get into now human trafficking and add that, um, Greenville is on the 85 corridor, which is, you know, a huge traffic way between Atlanta and Charlotte. And then, you know, Columbia, you have 26 mm-hmm. going through. So that brings up something else. And then, you know, while I'm doing this, and sometimes it would be in a church setting, I would be asked, well, what if the prostitutes? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're wearing. You can be standing outside stark naked. I don't care. That's not asking for anything. Exactly. So, and and that was a point that I really wanted to hammer home. Um, so, of course, you know, what, what got me, what kind of ended my relationship with, especially that church, is there was a small group and, you know, my best friend was in it. He, he had helped me through a lot. And this other guy that I knew, it was a brother of a friend. And he told me that no matter who has wronged you, you need to seek their forgiveness. And my best friend, Spencer, he knew before it got out of the other guy's mouth. Oh, no. Because I said, so I need to go ask his forgiveness? And he said, yeah, you tempted him. I said, I did. And like I, I educated him. And he's like, you know, nobody wants you. Um, You don't fit in. You don't do that. And so I eventually asked him a series of questions and he's like, well, no, he's like, those people wouldn't be welcome either. And I said, I just described to you the apostles of the Bible. Exactly. You know what? I, 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 I must, first of all, commend you because you're definitely a woman of so much strength. You've gone through a very traumatic experience and it's sad because, and we have a very similar platform for the Miss Plus America pageant. Exactly. So my experience wasn't quite like yours. However, um, assault is assault. Exactly. And it's very sad because it's one in five or one in six women that are victims of sexual abuse, but I believe that the numbers are much larger because there are a huge percentage of Mm -hmm. women that do not report it. Exactly. And there are reasons that it's not reported because of some of the ignorance Mm -hmm. that comes along with that. It's the fear of being ostracized. It's the fear of being blamed or it's the fear of not being taken seriously. Exactly. We have to start having these conversations and it cannot continue to be a taboo issue because it's something that is plaguing, is plaguing our communities. 
And I'm so glad that we are able to have such a dialogue such as this, and we're able to have this discussion because people out there, women especially, but men too, they need to understand that, you know, it's not yeah. it's an experience, it's a traumatic experience, but what can we grow? What can we gain? What can we do? to help the next person to possibly stop um somebody from being victimized right exactly and and that's something you know i take from my experience which is why i'm so comfortable telling it because to me yeah rape was horrible it literally was so much worse how the people that were supposed to save my life spoke to me and treated me. And that caused more damage to me mentally than being assaulted did. Mm. It took years for me to see myself as something other than a hideous ogre that did not deserve to live. Because, you know, if the people who are responsible for saving you are saying that to you, then what, you know, what choice do you have? And that's, you know, it took me years to build myself up for that. And, you know, after my father passed last year, I, you know, took over care of my mom full time. So I had, you know, a little bit of extra time on my hands because I I'd, I'd quit my job. Um, and I'd seen this pageant around. I'd wanted to do it. And I was finally in a position to do it. But I was still nervous. And my best friend, Vela, um, she was the one who was doing my makeup and stuff at the pageant. She's like, I dare you to do it. And if you tell, I'm telling you, if you tell me I can't do it or I dare you to do it, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. So I did. And that first boot camp we had, like, I was so nervous. Like, you saw that. I, I was sitting there thinking, what have I got myself into? I can't believe it. We were all like that. We were like, oh my gosh, what in the world? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not this kind of girl. I'm like, the tomboy, like jeans and a t-shirt. I might dress up every now and then. I am not graceful, <laughs> but I started putting myself out there and, you know, it was hard at first because I had to say, oh, I'm in a pageant and, you know, I'm, I'm not used to being center of attention. So, you know, they're like, oh, really? That's cool. And so you meet people. And, and one of the best things about this has not only been just the self-confidence that it's helped given me, like, if you had ever asked what I had spoken on stage to a room full of people, no, no, I would have been like, no, it's not gonna happen. And I did it, I didn't stutter, my face didn't turn red. I'm like, woo, that was like a huge thing for me. So, um, you know, the fact that the entire time I wasn't nervous about being like on stage and being seen. And that was a huge, huge step for me. But one of the great things is talking about um the platform i went to um it's a it's a crystal shop in simpsonville because um i'm like a huge geology nerd i love i wanted to be like a volcanologist so i love to collect crystals i happened to be in there and, and you know was talking to to one of the women and who owns it and they had recently moved back from new york and um they do i guess like tarot readings and that kind of stuff and and different like meditation and, and a few women had come to them and asked you know said this stuff is going on in the life. So they said, Hey, you know, we know that you do pageantry and we know that, um, 
we know what your platform is. What can you recommend? What are these organizations? Mm. And and I find that a lot of these events, you know, when you tell somebody your platform and, you know, they ask, well, can I ask what happened? Because, you know, people want to know details. And I normally, you know, keep it clean. I don't go into like the super, super gory because it, it got much worse. I mean, this was like an episode I survived. Mm. Um, but they'll either start crying and say, it's happening to me currently. I'm being abused. I'm being domestically abused. Um, this happened to somebody I know. How can I help them? And that's not stuff you can really put out on Facebook to say, oh, yeah, guess what? I helped like four women at this event. Right. But but it's something I keep on the download. And, you know, I have people message me on social media, you know, hey, do do you know of any organizations that can help this? Hey, you know, I have a friend that's going through this. She needs to to get out right now. And, you know, from being an advocate from working in emergency management, I know, especially in the Greenville County, upstate area, a lot more of those little communities and, and ways to do that. And so that's the part that's fulfilling because it's not just about me being on stage and getting to wear a pretty dress. It's about, we are having this conversation now. Right. And I had made that Facebook post and you had reached out to me. I think Shimon reached out to me because you guys were concerned when I said, you know, before and after trauma. And I had had a lot of stuff that was going on in my personal life and I got hit with one of those lows, but I wanted to be really raw with those that are following me and following the journey that I've been on since I was, you know, raped at Clemson because I want to show that. Yeah, it looks great. Look, I got white teeth. I got, you know, my eyelashes done. I got a pretty crown now. But I have bad days. I'm human. I'm a survivor. And yeah, I'm, I'm on the path to thriving. Bigger things are happening. Doors are opening. But I will still have bad days. I will still have really bad self-esteem days. I still have days where, you know, I cry or, you know, I mourn, you know, what an, a, another future could have happened, you know, been for me. Um, especially because, you know, I'm 38. I'm single. I'm like, you know, before I was like, oh, gosh, what if it never happens? And now I look at dating and, you know, some of these groups and I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm, don't want it. <laughs> Just don't want the drama. But it, it's one of those that I want to show people that, yeah, you can thrive. You can survive. It will take time, especially depending on your situation. It's probably not going to be super extreme where you have like nurses saying stuff that like that to you because I can tell you right now Greenville County Prison Memorial they have a sane nurse a sane room I've been there with exams conducted they have advocates come in most counties in the upstate have that now um, most of them are very aware with sensitivity training most of the police are aware um, first response is very aware so when I did stuff with Greenville County I never heard really negative things like that happening um, so I never want that to be someone's like reason they don't go. And if, if they're like, but I, I still don't know, I think I need to go to the hospital, but I don't know. Then I'm like, you know, well, you know, you can have kits done. You can deny anything that you want on the kit. Just, you know, they can keep it as evidence and hold it. You don't have to report now. You can think on it. Just, you know, go ahead and have it done. You can always change your mind. So that was a huge thing, you know, and, and letting women know that you have rights, mm -hmm. you have choices, you're not alone in this. Yeah, 
you, you may have to like give them the shirt you're wearing, but that's worth taking your power back. Exactly. Because that's, that's what it is. They do it for power. Mm-hmm. And you deserve to start taking your power back. That's right. And I love the fact that you were very open about going through your healing process, because I think that some may be um, under the impression that um, as you're journaling, as you're progressing through your healing, you are not expected to have bad days. And that's why on this show and in this book, we really... um, advocating and letting people know that it's important to have those people that's in your inner circles. And when I talk about that inner circle, it's extremely small. Mm -hmm. It's not a bunch of people. You need somebody that when you are going through those moments, because it will happen. I mean, that's just part of the healing process. You're not going to have a bed of roses and petals and, you know, unicorns every day there are some days that are going to be tough but do you have that person that is going to be there and that's going to speak positively in you that's going to lift you up that's going to motivate you that's going to encourage you to keep pushing through and if you are a woman or a a um victim of any type of abuse i would urge you to get your tribe get that inner circle that you can, you know, rely on and draw strength from in those in in those weaker moments. And when I say weak, I don't mean weak as if, you know, um, you don't have the power to get through. But in those moments where you may have to pull from somebody else's strength to get you through that that particular day. Exactly. And that's so one of my like I'm I'm really geeky. Like I, I am so geeky. But I love like Marvel and superheroes and, and, you know, for those that like stuff like that too, you see that those like superheroes have weaknesses. They have bad days. They have that. And you know, you're going to have a bad day. What set me off is I came in after the pageant and part of it is I, I felt upset because I didn't feel like I did as well as I could have done because I'm always going to be my worst critic. Like until I know, because I'm like, oh well, my dress is too short here. This, and and it didn't matter like where I placed, whether or not I won. It's just a a personal accomplishment. Um, the right people won. I, you know, said that they were like phenomenal. Oh my gosh, everyone was phenomenal. Like it was a beautiful pageant. But um, it was just like, oh um, something my mom had said to me in anger before I left is yeah, I doubt you would even make it that far. And so it hurt like to be standing on that stage and to realize that my dad was the one that really supported me and he wasn't there anymore. Like we're talking to like a little over six months since he's been gone. And so I was dealing with that. And then I came in and, you know, I had people instead of saying, Hey, you know, awesome job that, you know, should have been, you know, my people, just you're so irresponsible you want to go do this and not take care of your mom you wanted and it was just that kind of like dumping on me and i was just like you know it was a perfect storm of everything and i got really down and then you know 
I wanted to say, hey, you know, I, I'm really down right now. I'm having a really bad depressive episode. I don't know what to do. I feel like I've hit rock bottom. Like I've got massive anxiety. I don't know what I can do. But what I can let people know is that you can go out and just win people's choice in a pageant and still have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or, or whatever, that doesn't mean you're any less human. And just because you see me post things on social media that's like, oh, look, I get to do modeling now. I mean, yeah, that's awesome because I never thought that was ever going to happen. Like that was not ever, ever on my radar. It doesn't mean that I don't have other struggles in life. And I think people need to remember that, especially on social media, mm -hmm. um, it can be very deceiving. So you really shouldn't compare a lot of your journey, your healing journey, especially exactly. to that. Um, because you could look at someone and be like, they have it all. And then two days later, they kill themselves and people mm -hmm. wonder why. And, 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 you know, that's become another epidemic that we dealt with. And, you know, they had their own demons. They didn't have the tools. So you, you, you just never know what's going on in someone's life. And so that's why I've always, you know, been transparent. Like I will show the ugly. I will show, say this happened to me. Um, am I happy it happened to me? No. Um, but I'm not angry over that. If that makes sense. Like it happened, but now I have this whole new skill set and tool set where I can help others that are either being oppressed or abused or whatever and be there for them in ways that I didn't have. Because mm -hmm. the worst part is like I, I felt so alone. And now I'm like, you guys don't have to be alone because, you know, you at least have someone in your corner now. Exactly. And Brittany, I just want you to know that because you're, the people around you are a little bit different, mm -hmm. but you do have a circle. I just want you to know that. And I have shared this with you in private as mm -hmm. well. You do have a circle and a lot of them are on live with us right now. I love this NPA system and we really have bonded. We have a sisterhood with the delicates of 2023. So anytime you feel like you need a sister friend, you need a shoulder, if you do not feel strong in that moment, reach out. Definitely. And, you know, it's actually funny because um, like, Janice and I like talk every day and I watched her last week on here. And so, you know, she knew when I was having some bad days, she's like, you okay? And I'm like, yes, maybe, maybe not. Um, like I'll be honest last night, like, and, and this is the importance of having those relationships. Um, I, she texted me something and I said, I'm outside in my car sobbing. And she said, why? I said, I just heard a voicemail from my dad. Mm. And it was, you know, one of those struggles, you know, cause mom had been in the hospital and now it's like, I'm watching this again. And, and, you know, and so that was, you know, a big struggle. And then, you know, I heard him and him saying, you know, I love him and just, you know, I broke down and, and she had been on a very similar journey before. So um, we, we had bonded over that and just having those relationships and new relationships where 
you know, you can say, hey, I'm not doing well. Or, you know, this past weekend with Shimon, she's like, yeah, we're, we're going to show you how to walk the right, the right way. Like, <laughs> so you don't go out there and just, I don't know, like Steve Urkel or something <laughs> walking down a runway. Um, and she'll show you too, honey. She got that walk. <laughs> she does. She does. Yes, I'm like, love it. <laughs> I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, just the fact that you have people who are like, yeah, I'll help you with that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can do this. You know, everyone's got their own skill sets and expertise. And, you know, even if all I can do at the time is provide you with quality, snark, and humor, that's what I'll do. I'll try to make you smile. So I know that's right. I know that's right. Sh Shimon say, I love y'all. Strut. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, oh my gosh, this has been so amazing. I'm just so honored to have you on. We're going to take a very quick commercial break. And when I come back, we're going to tie it all in. And Brittany, I know that you have just persevered and endured and just triumphed over so many things, but I want you to just kind of compile it and let me know how you're able to live and perfectly fierce and focus. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. If you are just joining us, I have the amazing Brittany <laughs> Hey, she is Ms. Palmetto uh, Pride 2023. She is one of our reigning sister queens from the upstate area. And she is going to share with us how she's living in perfectly fierce and focused after our brief. Um, brief. Don't go anywhere. Stay Would you recognize the signs of someone having a seizure? Would you know what to do if you witness someone having a seizure? Did you know that epilepsy affects 3 million Americans and 1 in 26 people living with epilepsy? Did you know epilepsy is a brain disorder that causes reoccurring, unprovoked seizures? Well, Hardy Hands Foundation is here to answer these questions and more. Hardy Hands Foundation is a 501c3 organization based out of South Carolina that was founded by Kim Hardy in November of 2017. We offer seizure first aid education, patient and caregiver support, therapeutic support animal education, and so much more. For more details or, or how to book us for speaking engagements about epilepsy, visit our website at www.hardyhands.com. Have you been feeling like life is just passing you by and you are not sure of what's going to come next? Do you want to figure out what your purpose is and begin to take steps toward it? Are you ready to become who you've always dreamt of becoming? Are you ready to reconnect and identify with your true self and begin to operate from that authentic place? If so, my next group coaching program, Chaos to Confidence, is for you. I would love to connect with you and support you as you move toward your amazing future. I am Coach Amy A. with ABR Coaching, Consulting, and Training, and I am here to lift you up and encourage you on your journey throughout life. Off the call for imperfectly fierce and focused, embracing your imperfections while still crushing your goals. If you've ever overcome procrastination, been a survivor of a traumatic experience, overcome fear and imposter syndrome, or even live with a disease, illness, or disability, then you should consider being a co-author for Imperfectly Fierce and Focused. Someone needs to hear your story. 
And perfectly fierce and focused is not about being perfect. In fact, it's the complete opposite. This anthology is to empower, uplift, and motivate readers to recognize their ability and strength to get beyond the spirit of perfection, fear, and procrastination. It's time to tell your story. So come join our team, meet our visionary and current authors. Kiva Lernice Murdaugh, visionary author. Atricia Doyle, executive assistant and project manager. Dr. Tina D. Lewis, forward author. Lisa Dove Washington, co-author. Jacqueline Kabai Harrison, co-author. Fachina Kirkendall, co-author. Register today to become a co-author in a perfectly fierce and focused. Visit our website at www.tinyurl.com forward slash IFF dash inquiry. Again, it's www.tinyurl.com forward slash IFF dash inquiry. Welcome back to Keeper's Place, the Keeper Murdaugh Show and Podcast, where I am your host and producer, Coach Keeper Lernice Murdaugh. And joining me in my studio is Miss Brittany Kay. She is the beautiful Ms. Palmetto Pride 2023. And we are talking about how she is living in perfectly fierce and focused. So before the break, Brittany, I had posed that question to you. So I want to know. With everything you have gone through, everything you have triumphed, everything you've overcome, how were you able to tie it all in and still live in perfectly fierce and focused? Spite. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, but there, there was a meme that I saw, and it really actually um, kind of ties with that. And it was a weed growing on a sidewalk. And it says, I exist, you know, to spite you. And I realized you can have people try to take things away. You can have bullies, you can have people um, do horrible things to you, disasters that you need to overcome, traumatic experiences, but you exist just to spite that. You, if you've experienced something, you are already a survivor. And like I said, we all have bad days. And you know, I don't mean spite is in meanness, but it's the same concept as someone says, you can't do that, you're a girl. And you're like, why can't I? You need to start learning your own power and taking it back. Um, it's okay to love yourself. It's okay to give yourself self-care. You cannot pour into others and give to others if you're empty. And that's something I learned the hard way. Um, you know, you hit rock bottom because you've given everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think you know, by having that mindset that you're going to survive, if that requires you going to therapy, if it requires you making the lifestyle changes, if it requires you going out with friends for self-care, if it requires you to just 
help others, whatever it is, do that. Um, everyone's different. And, and, you know, yeah, you know, someone says, I can't do something. I, I'm going to try to do it. But also you start to learn to really, really love yourself because my focus right now is, yeah, I want to be mentally healthy, but I also want to be physically healthy. And I'm on a journey to do that because I want to do things like learn to scuba dive or, you know, finally get the pilot's license or, you know, many other things. So, you know, I think that's one of the things is realizing that this happens. It sucks. It's horrible. But start making a list of goals of things you want to achieve in life. Um, all of them you won't do, of course. I mean, I think one of mine was like, go to Cambridge or something for a doctorate. <laughs> and then I'm like looking at the price and I'm like, not that. Um, you know, but then you start to work toward things and then more doors open and then you're going to have more opportunities come your way. But you've got to do the healing that comes with this. And it doesn't matter what your trauma is. It doesn't matter if you're a child of divorce. It doesn't matter if you've been abused. It doesn't matter if you've lived through um, crime, car accidents, injuries. You've got to get out of your head and you've got to realize that you can still have a life. And it's up to you to make the best quality out of that life. Mm. And you know, look into the resources. I know for the longest time when I hit rock bottom, I actually attempted suicide and that was around 2014. And they didn't keep me on hold. They, they saw that it was just this undiagnosed depression that they had me on the wrong medications and I didn't have insurance at the time. So they said, Hey, you know, here, resource, here are resources to get free mental health. And that enabled me to start working past PTSD and super panic attacks and anxiety issues and get those coping mechanisms and be healthy to where I was in a good place to where after I was like, okay, mentally I'm good. All right, let's, let's try to go after this goal or, you know, but not only that, like you have to also have tenacity for some of this stuff because the way I left Clemson, they would say, oh, that's a sad story, but we're concerned you can't do, you know, the work. And then I had, you know, one school that took a chance on me and I ended up graduating top of my class. Yes. So sometimes you just got to keep knocking on those doors and saying, you know, this is what I want. And because, you know, when the timing is right, it will happen. Mm -hmm. I know we hear that and, you know, humans are impatient. So we're like, nah. but it is true because I think, you know, had I tried to, go back to school in 2014, it would have been too much for me versus here I am in 2018, like, all right, let's do it. Let's get it done. And, you know, had I tried to do a pageant three years ago, when I first saw this, I would have just given up too easily. So it, yeah. you have to realize that it is a journey mm -hmm. and you're going to grow and you're going to heal and to be resilient. You've got to be kind to yourself, kind to others, know your limitations, work on those limitations. If it's something that bothers you, like, you know, my size bothered me. So it's like, all right, let's, let's try to be a little bit healthier and, and stuff so that we can be more active and, you know, lift mom if she falls or something, <laughs> you know, just, you know, things like that. So I think, you know, it's a healthy mix of all that. 
And of course, you know, I just love my little spiteful meme because it, it just on bad days, it really reminds me that I've overcome so much that I exist despite all the things that tried to take me out. That's right. <laughs>
I'm gonna go ahead and speak for you, Brittany. If you her <laughs> for any speaking appearances to speak into the women that may have gone through any traumatic experience, it doesn't necessarily have to be rape. It can be, you know, death. It can be anything. Um, definitely reach out to her, book her. You see that she is a phenomenal woman. Keep her working. Keep her sharing her story. <laughs> Keep her pouring into other women and men with similar experiences. So definitely reach out to her. Again, I'm going to drop her uh, contact information one more time. Instagram, you can go to Ms. Palmetto, Ms. Palmetto Pride 2023 on IG or on Facebook, Ms. Palmetto Pride Plus America 2023. I want to also thank all of our guests for watching and engaging with us this past hour. All of our sister queens, we love y'all to live. They've been showing up for you tonight, Brittany, girl. They've been responding <laughs> and just rooting for you. So thank you all for just watching and engaging with us. We love y'all to life. Um, see if there's anything else. Come right back next Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we begin our, our book tour. And this portion is our pre-launch to our book tour. So definitely come back. You don't want to miss part two. We have three parts to this entire um, book launch. So we are going into phase two. So definitely come back where you will meet our authors and get to learn more about them and how they're living in perfectly fierce and focused. So thank you again, Brittany. I love you to life. And if there's anything you need, Kiva's Place is not, uh, um, you are family now, this is home. So anything you have coming up, definitely come right back and share it right here on Kiva's Place. All right, definitely. And and thank you for having me. It's It's been great. You are so welcome. My pleasure. My pleasure. I have thoroughly enjoyed you tonight. All right, family. Well, that concludes our show. Continue to um, share, connect, and glow because we know building your network also builds your network. So until next Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will see you all later. So peace and blessings. Good night. Bye. Thank you for watching Kiva's Place, the Kiva Murdoch Show and Podcast. Tune in every Thursday night, 7.30 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Kiever's Place. To be a guest on our show, text the word guest to 803-368-3030 or visit us at tinyurl.com slash Kiever's Place book. And watch us on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire as we're broadcasting in more than 60 million homes worldwide.